But I want to talk about the essence of Christ. The literally the perfume of Christ. I want to talk about who he really is. Who? The real Jesus. The real Jesus. That's really the title. The real Jesus. Say that back to me. The so I want to talk about the real Jesus. We know he died on the cross, but do we know him? We talk about the man that died on the cross, but do we know, know the man that died on the cross? Have we experienced him? So let me talk about him for a moment. 2,000 years ago, this man came out of obscurity with the power of all creation. He was clothed in flesh. He was God is with us. He was Emmanuel. The Prince of Peace, the power of all the ages. God help us. Isaiah said of Jesus, 700 years before he was born, 700 years, the prophet said in Isaiah 61, verse 1, in the New Living Translation, Who is this who comes from Edom, from the city of Basra, with his clothes stained red? Who is this in royal robes, marching in his great strength. It is I, he's talking Jesus. It is I, the Lord, announcing your salvation. It is I, the Lord, who has the power to save. The power to save. So Jesus asked a question that I mentioned to you last week. But I want to re reiterate that Jesus was very much concerned with what people were saying. What people were thinking about him. He wanted to know if his message was getting across. So in Matthew 16 verse 13 he said, When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? When men talk, what are they saying about me? And they said, Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elias. See, that's the problem we have today, son. People cannot define who he really is. We don't know who the real Christ is. Let me step aside here a moment. We know the Christ in our crisis. Now I'm going to preach. We know the Christ in our crisis. But we do, do we know our Christ in our peace and our prosperity? Because if he's not your Christ in your peace and prosperity, he's not your Christ in crisis. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, Elias. And others, Jeremiah, or so one of the prophets. But then he said to them, okay, you've told me what the world says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, the big mouth of the group, always was. He was quick to cut an ear off, quick to fight. He said, but who do you say, Peter? Peter answers and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now that's powerful. He identified him. He defined him. He knew who he was. And on this Easter Sunday morning, I celebrate with my Lord. I celebrate with my Savior Jesus Christ. I celebrate who he is and who he was and who he will be in our lives in eternity. We need to lay aside our pettishness. 
We need to lay aside our little wants and desires and realize there's a greater purpose and plan in our life, Doc. There's a far greater plan. We may not see it now, but there's a far greater plan for your life. He said, well, my life is already set. No, no, no. He's got something far greater than you've ever imagined. You're going to go further than you've ever thought you could go before. That's why it's so important for us to be together and pray together and talk about what God. You never know what Sunday morning or, or, or Wednesday or Friday, whenever we're here, where God is going to say something that will change your life forever. You never know. I know that Christian Daniel one day stood over here and I had a word for him and it changed his life forever. Am I right, son? It just changed his life forever. And Floyd, seven years ago, stood here on a Friday night, a good Friday, with stage four lymphoma. But God healed her on that Friday night. She walked through the process and she was healed. So we not only know Christ in the crisis, that's a good message, but I know Christ in the peace. I know Christ in, in, in the time of blessing, prosperity. So I want to answer the question that Jesus posed to his disciples. I want to answer it. Scientists have, have, have asked the question, I want to know this real Jesus. Is he really real? You can watch it on Netflix. Everybody tries to talk about Jesus and tries to discount who he really is. Young people, students, teachers, college professors, who is this real Jesus? Who is he? Even world leaders, they want to know about this man, Jesus. Listen, my grandfather, my, my grandfather, he's in heaven now. But he sat then with the royalty of England. Here's a man that only had a third grade education, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they invited him to sit with them in England at the royal palace and talk about Jesus. See, a lot of people don't know that. But that happened. That was my grandfather. He got an opportunity to deal with some of the senators and, and the hierarchy of, of our nation back in the day. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Nat King Cole, y'all remember that? He used to go to my grandfather's church. People like that. And Natalie, I guess her name was Natalie. She came along and she was going to that church. That I had an opportunity back, I don't know how many years ago, I ministered in that church. What are you trying to say? I'm saying the reason those people and others are like them, it's because of Jesus. I live, I move, I have my being because of the real man, Jesus, who he really is. Stay with me now. So everybody asks, and skeptics around the world are even asking about Jesus. Skeptics. And great theologians that tell us they know the word. And the more they know, the less they know. Because then they start questioning what they know. My God, they're the ones that should be solid in what they know. You know what I mean? Even theologians are asking, well, who's this man we've been studying all these years? They don't even know. 
But I met him again this morning. And he's still the king of glory. And the reason you're here today is because the king of glory called you. Not Alan Meshagin. Not your mother, your aunt, your uncle. Jesus called you. Even those people that we consider as sinners. And hear me when I tell you, Jesus died for sinners. I'll cover that in a minute. People that are lost and dying and walking in darkness, they're even asking about the real Jesus. You know why? Somebody, they're hungry to know about this one that can save them from the utter, guttermost to the uttermost. They want to know. I love those old songs we used to sing in church. Do you know my Jesus? Do you know my friend? Or everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Just for a show of hands, does anybody remember those old songs? Raise your hand, I want to look at you. If you don't, those are old hymn songs that the church was cut their teeth on. Jesus. So I'm asking today, do you really know the real Jesus? John the Baptist said in John 1.26, John answered and said to them, saying, I baptize with water. But there's one standing one among you whom you know not. What was he going to say about him? Go on with it. He said, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with fire. Fire. Fire changes things, brother. Fire renovates things. Fire, if, you're in, if you need something cleansed, believe it or not, uh, medical tools, you can put some fire on it and kill the germs. How many of y'all need some fire this morning? Then we need to know the real man, the real God man. How extremely sad it is that there are millions of people, millions of people who only know about Jesus, but they don't know him. And there's churches, people sitting in churches just like this. They know about Jesus, but they don't know him. Because, you see, if you know about him, there's no relationship. But if you really know him, there'll be relationship. You'll want to get close to him because you know him. Really know him. I mean, I know about movie stars. But that doesn't mean I know them. You follow what I'm saying? I can watch football and see the stars on the football field. And I, I know them. I mean, I see them and I know about them, but I don't know them. So I think it's sad that we don't know him. Song that I used to sing, oh, that I might know him. Oh, that I might know him. And I want all of mankind, Sean, to see and know him. That's what will make our church great again. Because honestly, we've forgotten who he is. COVID can't stop Jesus. Cancer can't stop Jesus. Murmuring, gossiping, complaining can't stop Jesus. Nothing can stop him. And that's the thing we don't know about him. People with hungry hearts, and I'm sure some of you sitting here today are, 
People with hungry hearts are search and searching minds are wanting to know about Jesus. One day Jesus came to his disciples again and said, who do men say that I am? He wanted to know what the world was saying. And I'm going to tell you some of the things the world said. They said, you're a prophet or a great teacher. They said, you're a blasphemer. Watch this. Or you're a healer. You're, a son, you're the son of Joseph, the carpenter's son. You're a wine-bibber. In other words, you're a drunk. The world says you're Beelzebub, the lord of the flies. <laughs> Let me go on with it. The world says you're Jesus, the king of the Jews. Oh, God. They missed it on that one. But thank God, it doesn't matter what the world says. Because Jesus is the king of Europe, of Asia, of Africa. He is king of the world. Of every tribe, kindred, and tongue. And every skin texture. Some have said he can only, he's the God of just the yellow man. Or he's the God of the white man. Or he's just a God of the black man. I'm going to tell you, in God's sight, all he sees is red men. Come on, catch it. All he sees is red men. What do you mean by that? The men and women that are covered by his blood. That's what he sees. That's what he knows. The blood. So it doesn't matter what the world says. The important question is this. What are, I want to know what you're saying today. What are you saying about him? Who do you say that he is? Yes, we know Peter said it right. You're the son of the living God. And later on, the other disciples caught on in John 6, 69. And here's what they said. In the NIV, in the New International Version, here's what they said. We have come to believe. Now, these are the ones following him around. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One from God. In the King James, it says you're the Son of the living God. So even they, Dolores, came to the knowledge of the truth, but they had to hang out with him. Sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. Am I right? But in this case, the more they were with him, the more they observed him, they realized there's something different about this man. He's the Christ. Now, on this Easter Sunday morning, I want to ask you this important question. Who is this man you call Jesus? The one where you're driving a car and somebody almost hits you and you go, Jesus! Help me! Lord! You know you do it. Come on. Oh, Jesus. I've been on planes before where people are, are getting intoxicated. And one of the engines went out on an L-1011. They don't even fly L-1011s anymore. They do? But, yeah, they're not. I don't, I've not been on one in 20 years. But anyway, I'm on an L-1011 coming back from Barbados. I was ministering in Barbados. I ministered in Haiti for two weeks. Ministered in Jamaica. He said, boy, that's great resorts. Not where I was. I was in the dives, buddy, in the dumps. <laughs> and so we're over the ocean, and everybody's having a good time, and 
That's back when people could smoke on a plane. That's been back a long time ago. I will pray over your next job. It's going to be wonderful. I bless you, son. Has it been that long, Kenny? At least 30. Okay. So we're flying, and all these people are having a good time. They're smoking, they're drinking, everybody's talking and laughing. I wasn't, because at that time, I really didn't want to be flying. But all of a sudden, one of the engines went out in the L-1011, and we're like this, and all of a sudden, whoo! And everybody on that plane had a Holy Ghost meeting. <laughs> help me! Jesus! Lord! Help save me! Honey, you know I didn't mean to go out with that other woman. They started confessing things that I, I got up and said, y'all need to keep your mouth shut because this plane's going to level off. And what you just told your wife or husband ain't going to level off. <laughs> keep your mouth shut. But who did they reach out to the minute they thought it was disaster? Jesus. And then I heard, oh God. Well, if he's not real, why are you calling on him? And when you do call on him, do you think he's going to answer you? If you're not with him in the good times, you expect to be with him in the bad I mean, come on now, help me. That's what you expect. Well, you see, Bishop, God is there for me when I'm just in trouble. No, he's not. He wants to be with you when you're happy, when you're celebrating. He wants to be with you all the time. Right, Vincent? Isn't that right, Elijah? Who is this man that everybody called out on the plane? They know about him but don't know him. Thousands have dared to attempt to give their answer to this question. So let me give you my take. I'm glad that you want to know what I think because it matters to me. So let me answer in the way the psalmist David would have answered or any of the great leaders in the Bible in Psalm 66, 16. Come and hear all ye that fear God and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Let me declare it today. He saved me. He's healed me. He set me up. Everything that I've got is because of him. Everything. There's nothing that I possess that God himself didn't put his hand on. It may not be what you like, but God gave it to me. It may not be what you want, but God gave it to me, and the same goes for you. Who is this man? Jesus. So he came from obscurity. But as a young boy, he puzzled the lawyers and the doctors of his day. Puzzled them. Twelve years of age. Puzzled them. But he grew in stature and favor with men. They started watching him. In his manhood, he gave his life as a ransom for many. So who is this Jesus? Listen, he didn't own a bakery. He didn't own a fishery. He didn't own a field of wheat, but he could spread a table for 5,000 and feed them 
and have plenty of leftover. That's who he is. So the real Jesus, he never wrote poetry. He wasn't, it doesn't even say or record that he took up a pen or a quill and wrote anything. But he inspired the poets through the ages. You really believe that? Oh, yes. Uh, let me tell you. The Italian poet Dante was inspired by him. And it, uh, Dante was born in 1265 in Italy. He was inspired by this man, Jesus. The poet Milton was inspired by Jesus. John Milton was born in the 1600s. And he was a great English poet. But Jesus inspired him. And they tell me Shakespeare was inspired by Jesus. But the list goes on and on about this man, Jesus. He didn't claim to be a great musician either. He really didn't. But they tell me that Bach and Beethoven and Mozart and Mendelssohn all were inspired by this man, Jesus. As well as many of the modern musicians, secular musicians you see today. Matter of fact, I saw Alice Cooper. Did anybody know Alice Cooper? Rock and roller. Alice Cooper said, I, my daddy, my granddaddy was a preacher. My daddy, somebody was a missionary. He said, and I ran from God. I ran from God. If you saw him, you'd see he needed to run. Whew. But then he said, now that I've come so close to death, I've run back to God. Now, wouldn't it have been good if he had just stayed with God? Now, you know how many rock and rollers were brought up in church, and yet the church pushed them out? How many blues singers were pushed out of the church? The great Whitney Houston was raised in church and sang in the church choir. But because there was no, obviously no room for her there and no finances for her there, she moved out into the world. That's sad to me. Because that's not the plan of Jesus. So who is Jesus? He didn't claim to be a librarian. He didn't claim to have a great library. And some people say you are known by your great library. Well, I used to have a huge library and I didn't know half of what was in it. Not three quarters of what was in it. But all the libraries in the world cannot contain the books written about him. He never owned a college, Doc. He never went to college. But he owns, he owns and has more students that have gone through his school than all the colleges in the world. And most of those colleges were started because of Christians. Here's a good something for you to put in your pipe and smoke. Well, no, don't smoke it. Aristotle taught for 40 years. Plato taught for 30 years and Socrates taught for 50 years. But Jesus only taught for three and a half years. But in those three and a half years, he transcended the whole combined 120 years of the greatest teachers of all time. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? I'm almost through. Don't get bored with me. Who is Jesus? Well, he never read Dale Carnegie's books like How to Win Friends and Influence People. I started saying influence enemies, influence people. But multitudes couldn't help but crowd around him. The old hymn says it well. Again, what a friend we have in Jesus. 
He never, he never read how to stop worrying and start living. <laughs> he just was life. Jesus caused more people to stop worrying and start living than any other and any Arthur ever. No one can compare to Jesus. Say that with me. Matter of fact, this is going to shock you. Jesus never read the purpose-driven life. I never read it. I tried to read it, and I thought, wait a minute. This is elementary to me because Jesus is the purpose-driven life. And once you get to know him, he'll, he'll push you into places you never thought possible. See, there are, there are people sitting here today that need to turn some things around. Not for me. You need to turn them around for you. It's for your well-being. I mean, I went to see Dr. Carrier this week, and he still looks like Dr. Carrier, by the way. <laughs> and he looked at some of my blood stats and said, boy, we got to work on this. I said, I don't know how you can, how you can, uh, can do any better than perfection. But he said, there's things I have to work on. You understand, it doesn't matter what I think, the stats are there. And many of us, the stats of our life are right here, and we need to read them. We need to see them well. And know that God is trying to do something with us and through us, Vic. I'm almost through. So Jesus never read purpose-driven life. But he's caused more people to live with holy purpose than any other man living. Jesus literally outperformed all the how-to books ever written. And he didn't even claim to be a great speaker. That was not him. But when he spoke, Doc, when he spoke, everybody wanted to hear what he had to say. God help us. What do you mean by that? Well, when he spoke, he didn't just preach a sermon. When he spoke, blinded eyes were open. When he spoke, the blame began to walk. When he spoke, the deaf ears were open. When he spoke, demons cried out in fear. When he spoke, angry winds ceased and subsided. And when he spoke, the dead came back to life. When he spoke. See, we've got a lot of people today speaking their cute little messages. A lot of them speaking cute little messages, and maybe I am. But the one thing I do know, when he spoke, dead people got up. When he spoke, deaf people heard. When he spoke, lame people walked. When he spoke, those that are paralyzed got up and ran. What am I trying to say? God, Jesus was not a man of just words. He was a man of action and demonstration. So... There's something extraordinary about this man, Jesus. Nobody like him. Never a man spoke like this man. Never a man lived like this man. Never a man loved like this man. Death couldn't hold him because of love. Matter of fact, Herod tried to kill him. Take a deep breath. Herod tried to kill him. The Pharisees couldn't intimidate him. The devil couldn't defeat him. The grave couldn't hold him. I'm giving you facts. Hell couldn't quench his light. Somebody tell me today what you think about Jesus, the real Jesus. 
There are a multitude of answers to this question. But who is he? Oh, many biblical scholars have used this, but let me remind you. He's Abraham's buckler and shield. He's Moses' rod. He's Joshua's captain of the army. He's Gideon's sword. He's David's slingshot. He's Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel. Who is this man? If I could just, if I could speak all the languages of the world right now, I wouldn't have the words to be able to define who he really is. So, Isaiah said of him, though, 700 years before he's born, his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Who is he, Natalie? He's the way that's for going. He's the truth that's for knowing. He's a life that's for living. He's a light that's for shining. He's a salt that's for tasting. So I'm just wondering, can anyone in here today praise him and thank him for who he is? Come on, let's give him a praise. Let's give him a praise. He said, I am the bread of life when you're hungry. I'm the living water when you're thirsty. I'm the doctor when you need a way out. I'm the good shepherd when you need direction in your life. I am that I am. I am the great I am, not the great I was. Somebody give him a praise in here today. Let me tell you, as you stand, he's the author and finisher of my faith. Go ahead and keep standing. He's the author and finisher of my faith. He's my alpha and my omega. He's my beginning and he's my end. He is my defense. He is my advocate. He is the, what I need. He's my intercessor. In time of crisis, he's my savior and my redeemer. In times of darkness, he is my light. In times of hunger, he's the word of life. In times of shaking, he's a rock of my salvation. In times of building, he's my chief cornerstone. Come on, Sam, we're, we're getting here. In times of despair, he is the hope of my salvation. In times when I need understanding, he's my teacher and master. And when it comes to mankind, he's the son of man and the son of God. And he's a friend that will never leave you nor forsake you. In marriage, he's a great bridegroom. And he's my king that I will see face to face. Face to face. I thought this morning, all the years I've shown up on Easter Sunday mornings. I'm 36 years old, so about 36 years. But I said to myself as I was driving, I didn't talk to nobody else. I was talking to myself. Sometimes I need to talk to me. Said, Alan, remember one day, all the Easter's you've stood and talked about me. One day on that Easter, you'll stand with me. Amen. And you'll see the one you were talking about. At the moment of death, there'll be no question who he is. We can ask now, Christian, I don't know who he is. Who is he? 
wait till you die. And at that moment, you will have no problem defining who he is. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no man, no agnostic, no atheist, put the religion in the blank. No man can come to the Father but by him and through him. See, the problem we've had is people have, they've placed, they've thought, I'm almost through here. They've thought that these other religious leaders like Buddha and Muhammad and all these people, they, they didn't understand that these people at death realized that they weren't the one. And nobody's listening to that. They tell you, I don't have the answers now. It's something at the point of death. But why do we have to get to that point? Because I died today. I died in Christ. Yet I'm not dead. I've been resurrected with him on this Easter Sunday morning. So as the musicians come back into place. And as we stand together on this wonderful Easter Sunday morning. I'm sorry if I got a little excited. <laughs> I got a real excited Friday night. But understand this. We shall behold him. And we shall see him as he is because we shall be like him. That's what the Bible says. When people understand his goodness. Some of you young people. I know it's hard when you're young because when I was young, I didn't think I needed anything. If I had a car and a girlfriend, that's all I needed. I didn't even think about money. Car and a girlfriend. I f forgot that to have a car and a girlfriend, you had to have money. Am I right? When you're young. Don't lie to me. What did you think? You wanted your pickup truck and some mud tires on it. Am I right? And a shotgun on your rack. And that's all you wanted. And boy, that's it. The girls got in the truck with you. They knew what was going to happen. Because that shotgun was right there behind them. <laughs> My point is when you're young, it doesn't seem to matter. But it does matter. It matters in reference to your eternity. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. That's what the Bible says. That was my first sermon I ever preached. When I stood behind a pulpit. That's the first sermon I preached. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Before the evil days come. Before you feel broken and crippled and old. Remember him in your power and your strength. Not when you can't do anything anymore. That's a good verse. I probably need to, I need to preach that again. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to give you a present on this Easter Sunday morning. And what is that gift? The gift of peace. You say, well, what's in it for me? Life. What's in it for me going home today and feeling fulfilled? I prayed for somebody last week, and they wrote me this morning on Facebook and said, I'm not going to be there today, but I don't want you to think that I came last week and just got my cup filled up, and I'm just, now I'm gone. She said, I'm not gone. I'm, I have to go to a funeral for my aunt, but I'm not gone. So my point is, 
If your cup's full, let's demonstrate it. Let's give God the glory.